everyone. Welcome to Culture Check, the Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the tailgatesociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods and I'm joined as, as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? Oh, you know, just living the actual dream. It's football season, so I don't know. I'm sure you're feeling excited to watch the Cyclones. I'm excited to watch the Cowboys and Wyoming Cowboys. I need to clarify, I do live in Texas, so people are like, Dallas? Um, I'm not ever really thrilled to watch the Dallas Cowboys, but I am excited for the Buffalo Bills. How's it going for yeah, you? Yeah, your boys, your boys on there. Y'all just destroyed uh, Houston last week. That was wild. Oh, it was beautiful. They need that confidence before they go play um, Kansas City this weekend. That'll be a tough one. That'll be a tough task. I want to. I want to get right into this though. We are in our uh, back into our collab series, and so on this episode, we're going to be doing a recasting session. We're recasting some movies, um, one specific movie. But joining us, we have a guest today. From TGS, we have um, Aaron Wall of Bitter Units. Aaron, what's going on? Oh, not much. Happy to be here. I didn't, I didn't know we could do a, a collab between beer and movies, but here we are. That's the best type of collab, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I was saying before we, before we uh, started recording, I'm uh, having a Stella right now, and I usually don't drink while we record. So, I mean, it's only one, but, you know, I'm old. I got kids now. I don't get out as much as I used to. So I'm a lightweight. So if you, if you see me tip over a little bit, 20 minutes from now, blame the Stella. Don't blame me. I don't know. I don't know what to say. That's oh, you, soft. You just, just blame me. I've been told I'm a bad influence many times, so it's fine. <laughs> Emily, don't call me soft now. Come on. <laughs> just let me live my life. I've, it's I've Stella though. It's not like you're like, Oh, I'm drinking a heavy beer. You're drinking nah, a Stella. No. Listen, you get a couple of these in me, you never know what happens. It sounded very weird. I apologize. <laughs> apologize to the listeners. At least um, he, he's not drinking it out of one of their chalices, so I'll give him that. That's fair. Exactly. That's true. That'd was, be very extra. I was, I was talking to a friend earlier today about how she was talking about beer pong and like being old and like how we should have not played, you know, now you play beer pong with the water in the cups instead of like the alcohol and stuff like that and i was like i used to play beer pong with jungle juice what an idiot i was in college it sanitizes the ball that's so smart that's no no that was bad that was those were my trash days as i like to say so um but let's get into uh our recasting session what we're gonna do we're gonna explain here to the listeners we've got three movies on this episode, we're focusing on one on one movie, but we are going to kind of talk through the movie, talk through the cast, and we are going to update the cast. We're going to give our picks for who we think, if they remade the movie now in 2021, who would we like to see in the roles before? And this, the first one we're starting with, I believe, is the oldest movie that we have. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking tonight about the movie Trading Places which is a 1983 film directed by John Landis, starring Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Pretty famous comedy, right? In my opinion, it's, uh, it's, the, it's, Eddie, it's Eddie's best movie. We'll, we'll, get in, we'll get into that in a little bit. But what do you, what do you um, I guess before we get into the recasting piece of it, um, Aaron, why don't you tell us about your history with the movie? When did you first see it? Um, is it something you grew up with? Or? Yeah, yeah, so I'm an old... Um, what year did you say this was? 83? Mm-hmm. So I am older than the movie uh, okay. by, by five years. <laughs> so I probably saw this the first time. I was probably 10, 12 years old, something in that ballpark. Um, benefit of having four older brothers is I saw a lot of things earlier than I probably should have. Maybe that's not a benefit, but, you know, I made it this far. Um, So I've watched this movie dozens of times at least over the years, um, especially when I was younger. I hadn't seen it in a while, and I know it pretty well. And I hadn't even – I didn't even bother to go back and watch this one. I I did the other two movies that we're going to do. I watched those again. This one I've seen enough that I I know, and my wife wouldn't sit down and watch it with me. which has nearly prompted a divorce. So, but uh, yeah, I, uh, 
seen it a bunch of times, grew up with it for sure. Um, and it's just so smart and well-written. Um, it's just, if, if you've never seen it, you're depriving yourself. It's funny, like I, so I'm a little bit younger than you are. I was actually born after the movie came out. I was born six years after the movie came out. And I listened to like a lot of movie podcasts and they talk about like the classic movies and things like that. And um, a, a lot of movies from the seventies and stuff and like new Hollywood with, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and um, Sp young Spielberg and Lucas and, um, you know, Scorsese, all those. And so I'm kind of like the generation after that. Right. And so this one to me, like the 80s movies, I guess, like that decade are kind of like the classics for me. And I remember with this movie specifically, it was on cable a lot, um, like on TNT or TBS a lot. And um, so I'm I I can't remember like the first time I saw it, but I definitely grew up watching it. And, you know, Eddie Murphy, um, who we'll talk a little bit about in a minute, but, you know, he's just like a really famous, you know, actor, comedian. Uh, I'm a little bit too young to remember him as a stand-up, but I do remember going back and like watching all of his movies. And so this one, you know, this is definitely one of the classics for me. Um, Emily, what about you? Have you seen the movie a lot or a little bit, or what do you, what are your thoughts? Um, what's your relationship to the movie? I hadn't heard of the movie until you both talked really? about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is um, great. This is like the gamut of experiences. Yeah, it was I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. And I brought up to a friend who is really big into movies. And I was like, oh, like we're doing the podcast and we're going to talk about movies. And this is one of the movies and I have not heard of it. And they were like, it's so good. I'm like, yeah, I, ooh, I don't, I don't even know. Um, my like relationship to like people in the movie. So like Jamie Lee Curtis to me is not necessarily how she's in like the horror films. Like, that is not who she is to me. She was in, like, Freaky Friday. She played the mom in Freaky Friday. Um, Eddie Murphy was in, like, kids' movies. He's the voice of Donkey in Shrek, and he was in, like, Dr. Doolittle. Like, that's how I grew up seeing Eddie Murphy. And so when people are like, oh, yeah, like, his stand-up is, like, really um, vulgar. I'm like, oh, really? He's in all these children's, like, movies. And then, like, Dan Aykroyd also in like not children's movies but just like comedies and um like when my parents talk about SNL and they're like oh like SNL was so much better when Dan Aykroyd was on it um and they name like everyone during that time so um everything about this movie was very new it was very funny but like it was one of those movies that I don't think when I've watched like when I growing up like when we did have cable it wasn't one of the movies that was like on and so I'd never watched it and of course some of my older relatives are like how have you never heard of this movie and how have you not seen it and I'm like I don't know I watched The Princess Bride on repeat growing up like I don't I don't have a lot to pull from well it's interesting like that perspective I think because for me um, and I think for like, just like a lot of black people generally, right? Like for me, my, or of my age, at least, like my frame of reference for Eddie Murphy, first and foremost is coming to America, which is, which comes out after this, but it's all, it's also directed by John Landis. Um, so that's like kind of the cultural Eddie Murphy movie for me, which is also, again, like removed from his standup, right? Like I, I'm too young to remember his stand. Like I've seen clips and stuff of his standup, but like, he was like the comedian. He was like the most famous comedian of his era, the most popular, the most successful. And coming off of SNL, right, had just like a lot of success as a young. He started on SNL when he was like 18 or 19 and kind of just blew up from there and doing 48 hours and stuff in this movie, certainly. Um, so for me, it's coming to America. But like also I watched coming to America a lot as a kid. But I also watched this movie a lot as a kid and I could like identify. I'm just like, this is just like the funnier movie. Like it's not as iconic as Coming to America is, which is just like so like important to the culture. But like this is like the better, like funnier movie, in my opinion. Um, Aaron, did you, you know, coming up with did you know him 
did you know Eddie Murphy most from like SNL or from his movies or from stand up or like what what was your kind of frame of reference for him? Um, mostly SNL, and even for me, those were almost you know reruns growing up and watching uh, him as Buttweed or Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, um, the skits on SNL. Um, but, and movies. Um, I probably didn't watch Delirious, this, his big stand-up special, until, well, I was probably in college by the time I watched that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so definitely movies and as an actor more than a, than a stand-up. Um, matter of fact, I just sat down a couple weekends ago and watched, put 48 hours on and watched that, which is, I think, the first big movie he did. Um, and it's interesting, like, she's Emily was talking about you know seeing him as a kids movie guy and then seeing the way he is in these older movies it is quite the dichotomy of the way he acts in the movies a lot of people I would think from our generation would also identify him from like Shrek too like as his voice work in that movie which is like you know probably money-wise like his most successful film ever um, I'm, I'm just now thinking about the other movie, the other big one that I watched when I was a kid was Beverly Hills Cop, um, which is the one that really kind of like took him into the stratosphere as far as um, a movie, movie star goes. But like, I think that there is kind of a link between his work in the in the in the later like you know casting the check, let me get this bag and and be in this animated movie or this Doctor Doolittle that I know is going to be successful. There's a link between that and his, I think specifically in a movie like certainly Trading Places, but also Beverly Hills Cop, where it's just like he's, and I've never seen 48 Hours, um, but in Beverly Hills Cop and in, in Trading Places, there's this like, this like youthful energy that he brings, this like kind of carefree, like breezy, um, you know, in his stand-up comedy, he has like the edge, right, where he's tackling these like controversial su- subjects and like a lot of that stuff just like doesn't, hasn't aged well at all and is really like problematic and stuff like that. But like in the movies, in this movie, like he's this young, he's like, um, he starts off the movie like scamming people off, off the street, pretending that he like, you know, begging and pretending that he's like can't walk and this and that. And but he's just like so like light on his feet. And like when he gets found out about that, he's like, oh, my God, like he just like turns everything into a joke. Um, and I think that that kind of that energy and that spirit informed a lot of his later work, informed his character in like a Shrek where he's just like the comic relief, just really like lighthearted, like not taking himself too seriously. You can kind of see the the, the seeds of that in, in, in a movie like Trading Places and, and, and Beverly Hills Cop where he's kind of just like he's like the coolest guy, but he's also just like the, the most fun guy at the same time. He's not like at a remove from everyone else. He's just kind of like um, reacting to everyone else and, and putting everyone else at ease um, and just being like the bright, like light person that kind of just like has an impact on the world where everyone else is kind of just like um, more serious. Like he's the, he's the person that kind of fills the room with his, with his energy. So I think in a movie like this, um, I want to talk about our, our casting choices, but like, I think about him as like one of the, the biggest, probably like the biggest black movie star of his era. And like, when I was doing the recasting for it, for this, I think for the other movies we do, I want to like, there's some movies that we're going to do where it's like the cast is basically like all white, and I want to do like um, maybe do an all black cast or like just an all non-white cast when we do that. But with this one, like the 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 racial undertones of this movie, like necessitate that like the white characters have to remain white, in my opinion, for the ones that that I'm recasting in order for like the movie to work. So, um, Emily, I, get, I wanted to ask you, what, what were your thoughts on the movie since you're the person who's seen it? the most recently for the first time, what did you think when you were watching the movie and, and sort of like the, the racial dynamics and, and how comedy plays into that and like the socioeconomic stuff? Like, um, do you want to maybe give like a general overview of the movie and then, then your thoughts on it? Yeah. So the movie is about Dan Aykroyd's character, Winthrop, who is a businessman. 
He works for a brokerage for um, these two older men, their brothers, Mortimer and Randolph. And they're like, the brothers are like always fought, like bickering over things. They're not really fighting, but they then like come to a place where they're like, is it the environment or is it like genetics? So the nature versus nurture to determine how well someone will like do in life. Like your success is dependent on nature or nurture um, within Winthrop being um, in terms of like nature, very well off, very wealthy. Um, and then he bumps into Eddie Mur- Murphy's character, Billy Ray Valentine, who like, is kind of homeless and just hustling people on the streets. Um, but they like have a run in and that kind of prompts that discussion is it nature versus nurture. If like we switch these two men, um, could a guy who's like coming off the streets be successful in a brokerage? And could, if you like are given the world on a silver platter, but then all of a sudden you have nothing, can you still like succeed? Um, and they make a wager on it. So they bet on these two guys' lives, um, knowing that, like, it is going to ruin both of their lives at some point. Like, first, it's going to impact um, Winthrop, who becomes um, homeless, pretty much. And then they eventually want to just discard Billy Ray. And I have feelings about that that I'll come back to after I finish this. But, um, you know they eventually figure it out and it like it seems like as i'm telling this i'm like man this seems like a very heavy story but it's like very entertaining it's very funny um they end up like conning the dukes and they lose all their money um there's some like insider trading stuff going on it's bizarre to watch like the stock market in this because in my life in my working life um i've never seen paper happen like this um and so eventually they get arrested and then you know everyone lives happily ever after um but yeah like to your point arnold like this movie could not exist without the racial undertones so you can't have billy ray not be black or some type of person of color because people are already stereotyping him one before he becomes like wealthy and then they also make assumptions when he's like in that place of like power where he's like working and he's doing really well and he's making money for these men. And they're like, Oh, like he is intelligent, but it's like, they still don't see him as like an equal the way that they saw Winthorpe. And so it's like, it's very interesting watching it. And I'm sure like in the eighties, when people watch it, they didn't think about that as maybe they did i i wasn't alive this movie came out 10 years before i was born i'm gonna be like very honest about that and so i can only go off of what i'm like engaging with now where i'm like oh my gosh like this could be made now there are two things that i'm like oh cringe the blackface could not be done like straight up not okay could not be a thing that happens in the movie but other than that at the end on the train yeah, when they're on the train, they use the blackface. And when Eddie yeah. Murphy um, says the F word, when he's like, oh, are you all like gay, but um, a slur. And I'm like, okay, so like if we change like that language, that's like one minor thing. And we change the blackface on the plane to some or on the train to some other like costume situation, disguise, like this movie could be made in today's day and age and be the exact same everything about i'm like oh my god that nothing has changed in 30 years love to see it um and like again this movie it sounds like i guess i'm talking about it, i'm like man this sounds like such a bummer it's a hilarious movie like it was so funny and i really enjoyed it um and I just don't know if like there was the intention at the time around kind of like talking about that, like socioeconomics, race, and like um, even Jamie Lee Curtis's character being like a prostitute. And she's just like, well, I can do this if I get this amount of money. And she's like very much like I need to like take care of myself, but I'm also going to like help this idiot of a man. And um, yeah, there's like so much to unpack with the movie. <laughs> 
It's so funny. Like I'm thinking about I so I also I've seen the movie enough times that I didn't have to like go back and rewatch it like Aaron, but I'm like just thinking about Dan Aykroyd. He has like this Jamaican accent. <laughs> He's like in black. That shit is so funny, but it is like so it's incredibly problematic. Like you cannot do that now. But I'm like replaying that sequence, like the New Year's Eve sequence on the train. Like that's just like, oh my God, that's so crazy. But like to your point, and I want to get to your point, Emily, and I want to get your opinion on this, Aaron. Like I just feel like this this movie is like one of the reasons this movie is impossible to make right now is like movies are, like movies are just not as, as smart as this movie is because like you talk about the themes and like the racial themes the the um capitalism themes like all that stuff like it is like a lot of heavy stuff to unpack but the movie at the same time it's so it's still so funny and it's not like funny in like a slapstick way I guess it is in some point in some parts but mostly it's just like it's kind of like satire funny and like, it's just the tone of the movie. Like it's so, it's like impossible to replicate now. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that, Aaron? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree uh, to an extent, but, uh, but uh, uh, let me, I'm going to back up for a second. It, it really makes me smile to see Emily's face light up talking about this movie because you can tell she really enjoyed it. And it's, it, I'm glad that we got a movie that she hadn't seen and she seemed to really enjoy the movie. So first of all, happy we could do that for you on this. But uh, um, yeah, I agree that they don't make movies like this right now. Um, they're either all one thing trying to, to make a specific point or they're all slapstick, whatever, trying not to be too serious. And this is really beautiful in that it does both, right? If, you, if you're paying attention to the story, you know, it's very clear the message that's being sent. Um, and, you know, Emily said, you know, not much has changed in 30 years, and that's correct, which is one of the reasons I wanted to watch this movie or talk about this movie again. As an old, it's, it's all the same. You know, a guy who's been through more generations than you have, um, it is a lot of the same kind of stuff, which is, which is sad. And why I think a movie like this should be remade, despite it being difficult. Um, if you're going to go get an older movie, you got to get the, the right ones um, to remake them. Um, now, do I, do I really think it should be remade? That's a different discussion. Cause I mean, how, how do you top this? I mean, you can throw a very pale comparison to this movie out there, I suppose, but um we're going to give it a go with who we pick, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a really classic and, you know, almost perfectly done movie as far as I'm concerned, you know, um, for getting, it's just, it's just awesome. I just, it's just a great movie. Well, this is a good point. I think for us to, to kind of just get into to our lists here of, of who we think we would choose to, to recast this movie with. So let's start, um, Let's start at the top with the Dan Aykroyd character, um, Lewis Winthorpe III, um, the co-lead with with Eddie's character, Billy Ray Valentine. You know, this is a character that I was thinking in in terms of like, so who would be good to play his part? So for me, it has to be someone who can be like, you know, he starts off as like the yuppie, you know, kind of like entitled, serious person. And when he realizes, you know, he goes through the mud, right? Like he gets, he gets dragged through the mud, um, through circumstances out of his control. Like he gets his, you know, his men's club, uh, membership revoked. He loses all of his money. He's reduced to, you know, his girl leaves him, his friends leave him. And he's reduced to like, um, having to go in with, with Jamie Lee Curtis's, character the prostitute character who you know is put upon him by um by the dukes and stuff like that and you know he you know he 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 goes into the mud so it has to be someone who can like portray all that and like who can who can start at the top and then go through the mud and then like come back on the upswing and be like you know he's the straight man of the movie but he's still funny he still has his funny moments especially like i was just saying like at the end so i was trying to like um, figure out who could like kind of put all that into into a package. So why don't we start with um, with Emily? Who did you who did you pick to replace um, Dan Aykroyd? So I picked someone that everyone loves right now, 
Um, even though, like, I don't. I think that he needs a sandwich and some B vitamins. But Timothy Chalamet, because he, like, looks like he could be, like, this, like, wealthy person, right, who works on Wall Street. Like, he looks like he could be that young guy who's just like, yeah, I'm crushing it. Um, but then, like, when he's out on his ass, people would be like, yeah, we're not going to give you any attention. Um, I was I was kind of coming at it from that standpoint of, like, people who are, like, who would people come see anything with Timothy Chalamet? And, like, when he was on SNL, um, he was, like, a host, and he was, like, pretty funny. So I'm like, okay, he could probably do this, and it would, like, help him get out of his whatever – ill young man roles he keeps being in that's a good pick like he's like one of the hot the hot actors right now um he's young enough and you know he's he's someone that i think he has like the chops to do it i think um yeah you need you need someone who's like a decent actor to do this um yeah um, so i like that pick i like that pick a lot um aaron what was your pick um so when I think about this character, there's there's one particular scene that I kind of focused on having to be able to pull that off. Um, and it's what I consider him at his lowest point or most dejected, but it's still a funny scene, is when he's in the Santa costume and eating salmon through his beard and stuff. I mean, that is, to me, the quintessential. He is dejected, lost you know, wandering soul, but it's still just hilarious visual comedy at the same time. Um, so I thought of two people and then I'll, I'll give you the two. And then I picked one. Um, the first one that came to mind is Paul Rudd. Um, Cause he can do really serious comedy and really serious acting. I, um, he's a little old, but he doesn't look old. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. Um, Cause he looks like he's 35, even though he's 50. Um, but, uh, the other one I pulled from Saturday night live, um, and that's Beck Bennett. Um, and that's actually who I chose because he can play the pompous. He'd have to maybe tone down what he does on Saturday night live a little bit, but he can play that pompous stuffy role and then be a complete idiot at the same time. Um, so I went, you know, maybe a little off the rails there because it's maybe not an obvious movie star type choice, but uh, somebody who I thought could could do that scene or something to that effect. I like the Beck Bennett pick. I like that. He's um, I think I just read that this was like he's actually not coming back to SNL. Um, he just uh, like last year was his last year. But like I think about him and his sketches. Um, I agree. Like he's he, he can play the straight man, but also be goofy, like you said. Um, he's, uh, he's got like, I think his face, he's got like a serious look, but like, with kind of like the undercurrent of like, I could snap at any minute. Um, what I also think is required for this, for this role. So like, those are good. Those two really good picks. Um, I went with Evan Peters and I did that because (laughs) I think I'm, I'm watching mayor of East town right now. So I have that like on the brain. Um, no spoilers, please. I know I'm hella late, but uh, I'm only halfway through. But I, I based it off of that, like in Mare, he's like, um, at least in these first few episodes, he's he's definitely the straight man, but also has the undercurrent of like being goofy. And there's the scene in the second or third episode where he's like kind of at the bar drunk and kind of hitting on Mare and, you know, the goofiness comes out a little bit. And he's kind of awkward around her and he's trying to like, ask her out on a date and that type of thing. So like the, the mix of, but he's also like trying to like prove himself in a sense. And I think that that's what he's doing. Um, that's what he's doing. That's what the character has to do in trading places too. Um, I think about him in WandaVision, um, the goofiness kind of mixed with, uh, you know, he can be serious when he needs to be. So like, um, yeah, and I I think that he could play someone who's like put through the ringer pretty well. So that's who I went with. Some good picks there. I like it. Um, Aaron, who did you go with for Billy Ray Valentine, the Eddie character? And okay, crucial, crucial character. It's so I'm very I'm excited Im- to hear. Im- important character. Um, again, I'll I'll 
I'll go. I actually thought of three people here and I selected one out of those three. Um, I think the really obvious thing to say, which is the first one that kind of came to mind would be potentially Donald Glover um, to play that role. Um, We, you know, I know all of us have probably watched community um, and he's great in that and obviously very intelligent. Um, So I think the ability to pull that switch off would, would work with him. Um, I also thought it might be fun to do something just a little bit different um, and maybe go with, um, and this is also just because I'm trying to find ways to put her in movies and that's Zendaya. Um, Cause she has played goofy in the TV shows when she was younger um, and obviously a brilliant actress. So if you wanted to flip the script a little bit, you could maybe do that. But then I went way out in potentially right field here and pulled a comedian. Um, and, and this is my actual choice is Ali Sadiq. I don't know if he can act, um, but he's one hilarious and two could bring some real grit probably to the story given his personal history. Um, and I think he's pretty awesome. Okay, so first of all, um, I'm looking up Ali Sadiq right now. I need to make sure I'm, this is who I think it is. Okay, I'm not I'm not super familiar with him, so I'm, I I got to do a little bit more digging there. I'm so I'm so fucking mad. I didn't think of Zendaya. That's brilliant. That's really really good. Um, she is just like, in my opinion, she's like um, one of the most talented actresses of her age that I've ever seen. Like if you've seen her on Euphoria, she's just like, she, I watch her on that show and I'm like, she's doing acting that like actresses 10 years older than her, like can't do. She's just like a prodigy um, with acting skill and can definitely do comedy and do it well. So like, that's just a great call. I'm I've so tried mad to put her in that. every single movie that we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's, that's she's how incredible. Much, uh, that's how great she is, and I think that's how talented she is, in that she can do all of these different things. Well, depending she on made it, my list, not yeah. for this uh, movie, but for other movies. For if, yeah. if there's a very obvious movie that we're doing next that I'll say at the end of the episode when we, if we if we decide to do that movie next, like that's a very that's a very obvious and would be a good choice. So. That's incredible. I'm going to give my pick and then I'm going to ask for, for Emily's. My pick for this one, um, I went with a comedian who, I don't know, there's no comedian who's a young Eddie Murphy, right? Like there's no one who really has that energy. Like he's just, when you talk about prodigies, like he was definitely one, but I went with um, Gerard Carmichael, um, who was a, a stand-up comedian actor, had the had his show on NBC, the Gerard Carmichael show. Or it might have just been called the Carmichael show. I don't remember, but that was good. Probably most well known movie wise from Neighbors um, as Garf. Uh, but he is just like he's just incredibly funny. He's kind of more, in my opinion, he's more in the mode of a Chappelle. But uh, like that's kind of the energy that he has. But he's still like, um, I think that he could do a Billy Ray because he's he's definitely the the guy that is kind of like. Um, you know, Billy Ray, I, I, especially in the beginning, he's kind of, he has to like react to everyone. He has to like be two and three steps ahead of everyone while like doing his scams and stuff. Um, and I think that Gerard Carmichael could do that. But then also at the same time, to me, like the best moment in the movie maybe is to the point like halfway or three fourths of the way through where the switch is complete, right? Where Billy Ray is with the Dukes and after... Winthorpe has been like arrested and stuff. And Billy Ray is just like, you know, you can't, you can't be too soft on people like that. Right. You can't be too soft on those, on the poor people because you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he's completely turned. He's completely flipped. And I think that Gerard Carmichael could do that. Well, he's, he's, you know, Billy Ray like makes the full heel turn and then kind of like recognizes after that. Okay. Like when he realizes what the deuce did when he's hiding in the bathroom and he like concocts the scheme for them to get back at them. But before he gets to that point, like he's made the turn from like being out on the street to being the person in a position of power who's looking down on the people in the street. And I think that like Gerard Carmichael could do that well. So that was my pick. Um, Emily, who was your pick? 
I like your Gerard Carmichael pick. Um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a good pick. I haven't seen him in anything recently, but he's really funny. And I like, I enjoy him and everything I've seen him in. Um, I did not go with an actor for this. And I was going to go with, I don't remember who I was like kind of thinking about, but again, I was talking to a friend about this and they were like, so I, I definitely stole this, but I thought it was a good idea um, given this person just released an album. They're trolling everyone on the internet. They're very big with the kids. Um, Lil Nas X. Um, he's like very young. Eddie Murphy is very young in like this movie. He's like 22 or 23. And Lil Nas X is also like 22, 23, which is just like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Um, and I could see him being entertaining in this. This is very much like a Hail Mary, like, oh, this is this person's not an actor. But if he could act, I could see it being like a good a good fit where he can like be serious, but also be kind of ridiculous. That's a great call. I, uh, I really like that pick when I saw it in the outline. And I think that he would, I, in my opinion, it's only a matter of time before he yeah. gets the, the movie roles, the yeah. acting, the acting offers. If you look at some of his videos and I think that he just has like a natural, he's naturally funny, like his social media. He's just like a very funny person. So I think it's a matter of time before he gets offered something. And I could definitely see that as a, as a, um, him getting offered a role similar to this with this. He, he does have kind of the energy like this that I think would, would, would fill in really well. So that's a great pick. I think. And I think if you're going to try to remake a movie like this, you do have to swing for the fences, you know? Right. So yeah, totally can, can get on board with that too. Let's go to the Dukes, um, Randolph and Mortimer. So for this one, um, I thought of, so like I, Randolph and Mortimer respectively were originally played by Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici, um, both people who had like big careers in like the 40s and 50s um, and kind of, you know, they were both like, I think in their 60s and 70s when they made this film. So kind of like old Hollywood um, like legends, like kind of golden age of Hollywood legends. And they kind of play like the villains of the movie. And um, so I was trying to think of like two people who have um, really storied careers now um, who have been in a lot of movies and are like really well-respected, but would also play like the kind of curmudgeonly fake nice but really assholes on the low personality. So I went with, um, and I also kind of, I think physically I kind of try to like align them a little bit, but for, um, I think Mortimer is the younger and Randolph is the older brother. So for Randolph, I went with Robert Duvall and for Mortimer, I went with uh, Jeremy Irons. Um, Jeremy would have to put on an American accent for, for this one, but Robert Duvall is just like a legendary actor and, long career and I just think would play the role well and then Jeremy Irons um for the younger brother I actually don't even know which one is younger or older but I just feel like Jeremy Irons kind of had like the energy for um the Mortimer role um so that's who I went with um Aaron who did you go with um so I I actually went a little maybe a little bit different route I, I don't think I made them as old one for me for sure is uh J.K. Simmons um comedic yes commanding stern serious yes um and then i figured you could go also also the other direction i i kind of flipped this one i thought you could these are characters you could change in the script a little bit if you wanted to um so i thought of what if one of them is the father and one is a a, a kid and they're teaching them the ropes sort of thing on how to be horrible people um but uh then so if that's the case then if you want to just flip it up a little bit i thought rose Byrne would be hilarious um in one of those roles um or go more traditional uh bring in a guy that you haven't seen much of lately that is very funny um and that would be rick moranis 
Um, and, and I thought of Rick Moranis in part because I thought of JK Simmons as being Jeff Bezos and Rick Moranis as being Bill Gates, um, type of situation. Um, so I think I like the idea of having Rose Byrne in this movie in that role though, because she is hilarious and plays the snooty. Have you seen the movie spy? I think it is right. Um, with, uh, with Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy, and yeah, and Jason Statham's greatest role. Um, but uh, yeah, she's just funny and obviously a very good actress, too. So, um, I think that's that's the route I would probably go. Fun fact about the movie Spy we went and saw that in the theater, like my whole family, and there is a picture of a man's penis in that film. And I was at the movie with like my 93 year old grandmother sitting like right next to me. Great, How'd that great go? experience. That was, <laughs> as she said, God rest, God rest your soul. I, Grandma, I love you. I miss you every day. She said, it's nothing I haven't seen before. Direct quote. Direct quote. 93. At the time of, of seeing the movie. So, uh, incredible. I miss wrong. you, Grandma. It's facts, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I miss you. I miss you every day. Um, those are great. I, I love the we need to be like screenwriters here. Cause I love like the, I love the little twist there with the parent child dynamic. I think that's really good. That's a really interesting take on it. And like these two, these two characters more than anything, like they just represent like capitalism, like they represent like old, like white money basically. So like you could definitely put it into that role where it's just like the the younger one like teaching or mentoring the child or even if it's just like an employee of theirs um it doesn't have to be like two siblings two old siblings i think that you could find a lot of flexibility um in there so i really like that take on it yeah i mean they're i think their role in the movie is is really more or less trying to maintain the status quo Mm -hmm. um so you know if you want to update it a little bit you know bring in a, a a child or, or something into that role because end of the day, the status quo is white people on top in this movie is the the point, um, Mm -hmm. you know, from their side of things. So I think it's, you can do a lot of fun things with those roles, um, and still get the, the main point across. Yeah. Great call. Um, Emily, who did you have for the Mortimers? So I, for the older one, I, thought martin sheen he's also like the oldest actor i could think of where i was like who would be fun martin sheen there are other old actors i just like i don't know i don't even know why i thought of martin sheen um but i i do think that he could do it and it would be good um and then bradley whitford probably because of get out like that probably definitely influenced it and i watched an episode of the west wing a couple months ago and I was like, oh, my God, he's so young. And he's still, like, very young, but he aged a lot in the last 20 years. Lots of gray hair. And, like, it's all good. So that was why I'm like, ah, oh, he's not, like, as old as Martin Sheen. That, And I, like, say this. I've watched The West Wing. That's why both of these people are here. <laughs> um, uh, but mostly I was thinking about, like, Get Out and then Bradley Whitford being in The West Wing. Um so they would be my picks for it. They and I like Aaron, like you know, changing up like the if it's a parent or it could be like an uncle. Like I do like that. So I think in this case it could be whatever relationship in terms of like a family relationship, and that would work um, for these two. But I feel like they're both entertaining and they could do it and. I just hope that they're with it. So they like get it when they're like, oh yes, I'm being this very privileged white man. I like both of those pictures. I like the Martin Sheen one, especially because like he's someone that we really associate with the, the, or at least I do with the West Wing. And also like a movie like The Departed, where it's just like the, the older, um, you know, stately, good figure right the the figure yeah. of like morality and stuff like that and i think that in this movie he's definitely like he's kind of seen as like the better of the brothers right the nicer of the brothers at least until they have that conversation in the bathroom right where um he's revealed like no they're both just like pure assholes 
So, and I think that like Martin Sheen could kind of like play on the goodwill that he has as like, you know, I play the president and I play, you know, he plays these really like fundamentally good characters, but then like, um, you know, behind closed doors, he's just like, you know, he's the asshole. So those, those are both like really great picks. I like those a lot. Let's do Coleman. Um, Emily, who did you have for Coleman? Lawrence Fishburne, who I feel would just be funny. And he'd be very low key. And whenever he shows up in things, I'm like, oh my God, Lawrence Fishburne is in this. Cool. Um, and I feel like this is one of those situations, like Coleman was a character where I'm like, you put a lot of different people in it. And yes, originally it was like a white actor, but given the nature of his job, he could have been any color, likely would not have been a woman um, that we're not there yet in society. Um, and so I definitely was like, Oh, like, why not make him a person of color just in terms of like how he empathizes with, um, Billy Ray. And like, it's, it works well, the character, the original character being white, but, um, I don't know, even when it, when he was a white man, I was like, Oh, like, this is very interesting. And I would have expected this person to be, like a person of color um just given like the overall behavior like just the demeanor of the character um and maybe that's just like you know what I've grown up in where I'm like oh yeah like if someone is not the person who owns this like um brownstone well the person who works there is probably like a person of color um so that might be like some bias there but at the same time in this film like I feel like it fits (laughs) Yeah, I think in the 80s, there was just like the the English butler was just like a thing, right? Yeah. Like Coleman's the butler and it's just like the English butler who is like, it's just like a, a signifier of... The status thing. Yeah, it's yeah. the status thing of like, you know, the the rich Americans and it's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to get the, the British butler so I can be, um, so you can see how like upper crust I am or whatever. Um, but yeah, Coleman in this movie has to be, like, to me, he's like... He is the um, person who introduces Billy Ray into the world, right? He introduces Billy Ray into this like high society world, but he's like, he himself is like grounded, right? So he identifies more with Billy Ray than he does with like the rich people he's working for, but he's still like, um, he's still like a part of that world in a way that Billy Ray isn't. And so he kind of like introduces him into the world and then at the end of the movie, towards the end where they concoct the plan, like he is right on the side of Billy Ray and everyone else to like um, help them execute the plan. So um, good pick. I like the I like the Lawrence Fishburne pick. Um, Aaron, who did you have for for Coleman? Uh, yeah, and and really Coleman to me is a very sneakily important character in the movie um, because he's not in the movie a ton, but he's there at important times. He's the one that kind of prompts them to do what they do at the end of the movie with his comment of unless somebody beats them to it type of thing. Um, so he's really an important uh, character. I, I thought of a few people here. I, you know, Emily just poo pooed one of them because she didn't think a woman would play the, could play the role yet. Um, one of the people I thought that could do it would be potentially Jane Lynch. Um but I moved past that. And then I thought of a very serious actor who is also funny. Um, that, that would be kind of funny to sneak in there into this role would maybe be John Hamm. Um, because he's very not known for being funny as an actor, but he is, I mean, he's, he does some very funny things, but ultimately I selected, uh, because he's got time now because Brooklyn nine, nine just ended Andre Brower. That's good. I like it. I like it. So you both went with um, you both went with Americans in the role. Um, I, that does bring a different dynamic to it. I think I like the John Hamm pick. I like the the Andre Brower pick. Um, he's definitely. I haven't watched. I've seen like clips of Brooklyn Nine Nine. When I think of Andre Brower, I think of um, he was in Homicide, right? Homicide: Life on the Street. I think like that's what I, I think, think so. Of, yeah. Yeah. 
it's a show my mom used to watch all the time, but he's definitely like a serious person. But I've, you know, I've, from the clips I've seen of him on Brooklyn nine, nine, he also has like the deadpan goofiness mm-hmm. to him that I think is definitely important for, for Coleman. I, um, I just, I've just made a change to my pick at the last minute. I was going to go with like literally 10 seconds ago. I, I made the switch. I was going to go with Mal- uh, Malcolm McDowell. Cause I was just thinking of like an old British actor who could like you know it's kind of like um buttoned up but could also be goofy why well, I, I think he could do it but i actually zagged just now i went with emily blunt because i think that she is um i went i went a little bit younger there but i think about her i think about her specifically in like the devil wears prada where she is like in the um uh, like lower, like entry level position type role, but it's also very funny. Um, and you know, in that movie, she's more, she has like kind of like the manic energy and she's trying to like do what she can to please her boss and stuff like that. But it's also very, um, invested in herself and her own journey. But I think that if in in this role, and she's probably like too big of a star to play this role, she's probably too like famous to actually play the the uh, the Coleman part. But I think that she is she's just really underrated as a comedic actress, and I think that she would bring the comedy piece to it really well. And I just wanted to get someone British because I, I, in my opinion, like the Britishness of the character is like key. So that's why I went with her. I like that pick. And I love her in The Devil Wears Prada. I always think whenever I have, like, cheese for a snack, I'm like, oh, I ate a cube of cheese, so I wouldn't pass out. <laughs> and it's just so, like, nonchalant when she says it. She's great. Oh, my gosh. Let's go to – we're going to save Ophelia. Let's go to Clarence Beeks, the Paul Gleason character. Paul Gleason had a, a hell of a run in the 80s. It's like the – I don't know if he never not played an asshole – um, in the, in the eighties, but, um, Clarence Beeks is the, um, the insider trader, inside trader person who gets them the, um, the frozen concentrated orange juice report on the low. And, um, it's kind of like the heavy of the movie too. He's like the, the henchman basically. So who did you pick for, um, Clarence Beeks, Aaron, who'd you go, who'd you go with? Uh, this, this one was, was, it's funny because he's also in another movie that we're going to talk about. Um, but, uh, and, and I kind of decided it was going to be maybe one of the same people doing that role too, but I uh, picked Gary Cole. That's a good pick. Gary Cole um, from Veep, from uh, uh, Talladega Nights, from a lot of different stuff uh, I'm thinking of. He's a great, great comic actor. Yeah, very versatile. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It um, gives like the right that. look for, for that role. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the tall, older, like graying, but not like too gray, white dude. Um, yeah, like that's a good pick. I like Gary Cole. Great actor. Um, Emily, who did you go with? Um, I went with someone younger, but I like that pick so much because everything I see Gary Cole and he's, um, I feel like he's always been like a villain, um, and he does it very well. Um, I picked Robert Pattinson. So there is a British person, but not in, you know, the right role just because he kind of has like, he could be like a shady person, but no one would like look at him and be like, that man is doing insider trading. They'd be like, that man might be doing drugs, but it's Wall Street. Everyone's doing drugs. And so he can also be very funny in the in the right things. Like, I mean, push Twilight away. Overall, like Robert Pattinson is a good actor and he is funny. Um, and I feel like this would be a good way to just change it up for him to be in something that's like funny where he is not expected to be like, comedic relief but he could still be there and like kind of play off of everyone else and be funny and american he's he'd have to be american i don't want to be british that's a good pick um 
very versatile actor, underrated versatility, in my opinion. And I mean, he's about to have a big year. He would have already if it wasn't for COVID and, and the Batman Batman joint had come out already. But um, that's a good pick. I went with um, Tamura Morrison, kind of just like out of left field here. But um, most famous, I think, is playing Boba Fett in the Star Wars prequels and then also in The Mandalorian season two about to be in the book of Boba Fett. Um, he was in Aquaman as Aquaman's dad. Um, indigenous actor from New Zealand, but kind of like the, he can, he can play like shady in a, in a way that beats like beats is like a really like shady, like sketchy character um, that can also be menacing. And I think that like Tamara Morrison was who I thought of first when I thought of um, someone who can bring that energy and that vibe to it so that's who i went with okay last we're going to finish on ophelia um ophelia is like maybe an incredible incredible um incredible performance from jamie lee curtis but like the character is like one of the most important characters in the film um and jamie lee curtis is just like phenomenal she's like bright she's like gorgeous she is um super like super intelligent and super like um especially at the scheme at the end where she's just like i'm gonna i'm gonna be a, a big part of this i'm gonna help um olga from sweden you know like the whole thing and has to like she has to leverage like her beauty in order to like get one over on people um but it's also just like such a genuinely good person like takes in um Winthorpe off the street basically into her home um didn't have to do that but like just uh you know you need someone who can portray like the 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 genuine goodness um of the character so um Emily and I actually picked the same person for this one so let's go with Aaron who did you who did you pick for for Ophelia okay um I I see this character as the somewhat of the moral compass of the movie, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, bringing Winthorpe back to reality and all of that. Um, um, so my first thought was uh, Betty Gilpin. Um, I think she would would play that role well. Um, I think she might be a little old for the role. So uh, ultimately, from um, from Glow, Betty from Gilpin. Glow, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and she was also in Coffee and Kareem or something, a Netflix movie that's out that's recent. Um, and uh, she's can be very funny, um, attractive, smart. You know, I think she can do all the things, but she might be a little old. Um, so ultimately, then I went with uh, Zendaya. Cause I wanted to put her in the movie and I think that's a role she could really excel into. Um, because I mean, I'm not sure there's anything she can't do. So who did you have for Winthorpe? Ultimately I selected, uh, Beck Bennett. Beck Bennett. Yeah. Okay. Beck, Which okay. would be funny. I mean, just yeah. those two together would be funny Yeah. because Dan Ruckeroyd is not a looker and Jamie yeah. Curtis is, Beck yeah. Bennett is not a looker. Zendaya obviously is. Yeah. Um, so you're still playing some of that that same thing, but the youth part of it is why I ultimately went that direction because Jamie Lee Curtis was pretty young in, in this film um, and and really wasn't supposed to be cast in this film. The, the people on high didn't want her in this film uh, mm-hmm. because she was a screen queen and that was all she was at the time. Um, this really launched the rest of her career, which has been phenomenal. Um, so that's, I mean, you know, Zedaya doesn't need to be launched by any means at this point, but, uh, you know, that young, intelligent, moral center of the movie, except it's a really important role. That's, that's a good pick. And I think that she could, um, that just like the youthful energy she would bring combined with like the elite acting chops. Like I feel like Jamie Lee had that. Um, and Zendaya has that too. So that's a, that's a good call. And, and, um, and some of these people, you know, I've, I've gone out on left field on some of these folks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them I wanted to be able to say, hey, if we're going to redo this movie, we've got to put some people in here that people will want to go see. The box office draw people. So she also, from a commercial standpoint of the movie, helps, you know, if you're trying to convince somebody to remake a movie like this that's going to give you $100 million to do it, you're going to have to have some people in it. That's a good call. And I think that Emily and I's pick for this is like, certainly from my list, like my list is not high on like movie stars, I guess, besides Emily Blunt, but like, um, this person that we picked is like a, a really, really up and comer, like, I mean, past the up and comer stage now, but like her trajectory is just like sky, sky high. So like, Emily, do you want to say who our pick is for this character? Um, yeah, I was a little, part of me was like, oh, wait, did I write that already? And I'm like, oh, no, no. Arnold also picked this person. Um, this person has been doing like a lot and she has range. She was in Little Women, which she did very well in that. She's probably the only, not the only memorable character. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, her fellow uh, castmate there. And then she was in Black Widow, which I had like not a lot of expectations um, going into that movie. And she was the best part of the movie. So Florence Pugh, it, like, it was hard not to put her in all of the movies. So when I went through and thinking like recasting these different movies that we're going to do, I was like, I don't want to reuse anyone. And so Florence Pugh, Zendaya, um, Timothy Chalamet is like something like, cause I'm like, Oh, anyone's going to want to go see something. If Timothy Chalamet's in it, I don't have feelings either way, but I'm, I know that people love him. And so like the, those two, I was like, Oh, how do I pick and choose who goes in what? And well, Florence Pugh, I think, is younger than Zendaya. She looks older. And so I'm like, oh, she is still very young. She doesn't look old. But she, I felt like, would be good for this. Um, and she can be funny. And she just, like, is amazing. I think that Black Widow is the first movie that I've seen her in. Like, I have know who she is. I haven't seen Little Women. That's one that, like... Um, when I try to like watch Oscar movies every year, as many as I can, like, that's just one that like, I wasn't able to get to. Did you see Midsummer? Um, I haven't seen, I've heard of, I've heard of, I've heard of Midsummer. I've, when I read the Wikipedia about it, I was like, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, but I heard she's amazing in that. Um, but I saw her in Black Widow and she just like dunks on everyone. Like, she's just, like, she's she kicks everyone's ass in that movie as far as, like, acting. Like, not, not the acting overall is very good. I think that Rachel Weisz is good. I think that David Harbour is good. Um, Scarlett kind of just, like, grounds the movie. She's, like, good in basically everything she does. But, like, Florence Pugh is just, like, jumping off the screen with how good she is in a part that, like, for a Marvel movie, I'm just, like, you shouldn't be this good in a Marvel movie. Like, as an actor a lot of those roles are kind of thankless despite what, um, you know, the hype that they get a lot of like the individual, especially like the secondary roles are just kind of like thankless. And she just like, um, she's just incredible with her acting talent in that movie. So, um, she's who I thought of uh, immediately for the Ophelia character. Cause like Jamie Lee Curtis also just like, jumps off the screen with how good she is. And so like Florence Pugh is just like who I thought of immediately. So I think we did good work tonight, y'all. I, I, I enjoyed doing this. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I do want to say that, and you'll appreciate this, Arnold. Um, I did pick someone for Penelope just because I wanted to put sure, yeah, yeah. Movie, Go ahead, um, yeah. Which is Winthorpe's girlfriend. Um, and only because I wanted to, this is another person I just wanted to get in one of these movies. And that was Haley Atwell. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I hope my wife isn't listening. Yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I know me too. Get her, so that's get her. In, I was like, get her in get every her a bit part here. You know, she's, you know, cause I don't think I, I honestly believe that if you, if, if people said we're remaking this movie, everyone would want to be in it regardless of the size of the role like this is that kind of movie it has that kind of pedigree and reputation like all the actors would be like yes i'm interested you know what, what are we doing here you know how can i get in this film um 
And so I just, I just had to throw that one in there for, for you and me, Arnold. <laughs> I appreciate you. I hope, I hope the movie happens and I hope that she's in it. Um, my only thing would be they need to create a new role or something so she could be in it for longer than depending yeah. on what the character is. Yeah. That's, that's um, the downside. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to, do we want to say what movie we're doing next? Do you, or, we haven't really decided. So we're going to decide live here as we're recording, but from what we were talking about, earlier i'm gonna assume that we were all thinking about the same movie and i'm gonna say that our next movie um is gonna be mean girls if that's cool with y'all fine with me that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna recast is that what y'all are thinking or were you not thinking that that doesn't doesn't make any difference to me at all i will say that that's probably gonna that's the hardest one for me because yeah yeah. I got to find all these young actresses and actors. And, uh, you know, I had to look up a few names uh, when you guys were talking about this one. Um, because as an old, I, I heard the names. And then once I saw the faces, I'm like, okay, I know who that is. But they're just not necessarily people that have burned into my everyday brain quite as well. So that, that'll be me fumbling around a little bit, but it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think the cast might be a little bit bigger than this one. So we might need to just like do a little bit more and maybe we, in the outline, we'll say we'll limit it to like the major characters, but um, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, thank you. Um, I have Aaron, 11 Aaron. people for that one. Yeah. That's a big That's cast. A bigger cast. Yeah. So thanks, Aaron. We're looking forward to recording with you again. Um, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. Um, We'll be back soon. So check out for the Mean Girls recasting.